It's good to be with you today. I want to welcome all of you here today. Those of you joining us online, thank you for being with us. Uh, last Sunday, we talked about the foundation of freedom being prayer. And in that, I, uh, I shared with you uh, the first prayer in Congress. Also showed you a, a portrait of George Washington praying at Valley Forge. And there's an outline, actually, that I... Actually, it's a prayer, uh, 30 days of prayer uh, sheet that I passed out. I didn't go over this with you last week, but um, many of you were gone, and I, I didn't share this. But if you will take one of these sheets, this will give you 30 days of a prayer topic to pray. You can literally just go back over the last week. Um, beginning last Sunday, July the 2nd. Read over those prayers. Pray those prayers, if you will, throughout the the weeks that we uh, are going to have here in the month of July. And we will have uh, 30 days of prayer. I know that we're going to have to compact that first week, those of you that weren't here last week. But uh, if you will take this and kind of use this as a prayer guide, it, it will help you in praying for our nation, praying for our government, praying for families. Uh, we try to cover the whole gamut. Uh, this came forth from our home missions department within the Assemblies of God. So we ask that you would just uh, be a part of that. If, if you're not here, you're watching this online, we also have a place on our website. Uh, you just go to the prayer link, click that link, and these two pages should be on there. There's a front and a back to this. So I want you to be aware of that. Uh, let's open our Bibles today to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I want to share a very, very important scripture with you. It's important for the day and hour in which we live. And what I'm going to speak about today, the title of my message is No Confusion. How many of you know someone who is walking or has walked in confusion? They're confused about something. There's a lot of confusion going on in our world today. People are confused as to truth. Um, the book of Amos says that truth lies fallen in the street, but it doesn't have to stay there. Jesus said he was the truth. He said, I'm the life, I'm the way. No man goes to the Father except through me. If you, if you know the truth, the devil cannot deceive you or confuse you. But I believe at times we need to be reminded of the truth. And one of the things I do not desire anyone that's a part of this church or part of this ministry or watches online or listens to these messages from Celebration Church is to be confused of, about who you are in Christ. And I want to open up with 1 Corinthians 14.33 as our beginning scripture. And as you'll see on your outlines, there are several scriptures we're going to look at today. It's going to be scripture intensive. Um, but that's a good thing, because you can never get too much of the Word of God. The Bible says in verse 33 of 1 Corinthians 14, something very important. It says, for God is not the author of confusion. Say that out loud. God is not the author of confusion. So what is He the God of? But of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Do you know that God wants ch churches to be at peace? He doesn't want there to be discord at church. 
He doesn't want there to be disunity in the family. He doesn't want there to be uh, unrest in the nation because he is not the author of confusion. And the Bible says where strife and division is, there's every evil thing. So God is not the author of confusion, so who is? Satan is. The devil is. Did you know that you cannot grow in Christ if you are confused about who you are in Him? So my question to all of us this morning is, are you confused? Is there any confusion going on in your life? Are you confused about any element of your life? And there are three definitions that I want us to keep in mind as we talk about confusion today. And they are, number one, the first definition I want you to think of is this. And you can, you can write this down if you'd like to. Number one is, one definition of confusion is unable to think intelligently. The second is not differentiated. You cannot differentiate between something. And the third is disoriented. Confusion. Unable to think intelligently, not differentiated, or disoriented. Now, the first definition, unable to think intelligently, implies that a person is unable to think or reason clearly or to act sensibly. In other words, the person lacks the ability to make decisions that are appropriate for the situation. In a given situation where a normal person, thinking person that is not confused, would respond a certain way, this individual would be incapable of choosing that response. For an example, let's say that there's a person that pulls up to a four-way stop and it has a, a caution light that's blinking yellow. And that person comes up to that light, stops at the light, and uh, stays at the light. They don't move. And all of a sudden, cars are backing up behind them because they are waiting for the light to stop flashing yellow and start flashing green, which we all know it's not going to. So that person will never move forward because they're confused that they think something's going to happen that isn't going to happen. I know this is a very, you know, hard thing to imagine that somebody would do that, but that person is waiting for something that is not going to happen. So they are not able to think intelligently. Are you with me? Secondly, the second definition of being not differentiated just means you cannot distinguish one thing from another. You cannot tell the truth from the lie. Boy, sometimes the devil makes them really close, doesn't he? It's um, a mistake, or one, one thing is mistaken for the other, and there are no clear guidelines, so everything looks the same. Now, there are millions of people living this way. They don't differentiate between truth and falsehood, the truth and a lie, life or death. So if I asked you right now, to give you an example, to close your eyes, and I sliced up two apples, one was a Fuji apple and one was a Gala apple, and you, 
ate those apples, could you tell the difference? And this is the problem with the church today. Oftentimes, it's getting harder and harder to differentiate a Christian from a non-Christian. The third and final definition is disoriented. Everybody say disoriented. Now, when a person is disoriented, they are confused as to time and place. They are out of touch with reality. Now, this is an interesting one. Most of you have probably experienced either yourself or someone else who has been sick and were confused. Or maybe they were recovering from having anesthesia after surgery. And whatever the cause, the person did not recognize the present time and place they were in. Have you experienced that? Some of you have experienced that while traveling down the wrong road because your GPS is wrong. And all of a sudden, you're disoriented. You don't know where you're at right? And we know that when we lose that ability, we lose our ability sometimes to make a decision. What way do I go if I'm lost? You know, when people are given anesthesia, they're not allowed to drive their car oftentimes for 24 hours. They're not allowed to make any legal decisions, don't sign any legal documents. And that is standard practice after anesthesia because a person's thinking can be impaired. They're not and fully, they don't have all their uh, mental capabilities about them. And when, that, when these definitions come into our mind this morning, with those definitions in your mind, I want you to focus, if you will, on your identity. Well, this is a huge issue in our world today, identity. Who are you? Who are you? I mean, it's even gotten to the point where it doesn't matter what body a person's in, male or female. But I am concerned about who are you? Do you know who you are in Christ? Are you confused about your identity as a Christian? Identity is defined as the name or essential character that identifies somebody or something. Your identity. In church, it's valuably important that you know who you are. As a Christian, our name Christian is from Christ. They were first called Christians in Antioch because they recognized them as being like Jesus. Now think about that. If a person is called a Christian and they acted like they were like Jesus, that means they did the things Jesus did. And they didn't do the things Jesus didn't do. Can I define sin for you? Sin is anything Jesus wouldn't do. If Jesus wouldn't do it, we shouldn't do it. Do you remember that little saying uh, some decades ago, WWJD? You know, what, what would Jesus do? Let's add this. WDJD, what did Jesus do? What does Jesus do? WIJD, what is Jesus doing? So what we need to do is what Jesus did, what Jesus does, and what Jesus is continuing to do. 
Turn with me, or look this morning, if you will, Jeremiah 1, 5. I'm going to have several scriptures. I've got them all down for you on your, um, on your outline here, but I want, I want to just take these up on the, the screen because we're going to go through several today. I want you to see here in Jeremiah 1, 5 something very important. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified you, and I ordained you a prophet unto the nations. Look at this. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. God knew you before you were even formed in your mother's womb. God knew what you were going to be. He said, before you were born, I even set you apart. That's what sanctified means. I set you apart and ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. We're talking about the prophet of Jeremiah. And guess what Jeremiah was? A prophet. He did what he was called to do. Have you ever considered the fact that God knew you while you were in your mother's womb? When a baby is conceived, God knows the baby even before the baby is born. Every baby. Whether that baby is carried to term or that baby dies in the womb. God knows that baby, and if that baby dies, their spirit immediately upon death returns to God. I've got a little granddaughter in heaven. She breathed for 45 minutes on this earth. And I'm not going to grieve what I will not experience on this earth with her. I look forward to what I will experience with her in heaven because I know that's where she is. When you were conceived, God knew you and had established a plan for your life. But I want to say this. We have to accept our true identity before we can begin walking in what he's called us to do. Jeremiah had to do that. Jesus had to do that. All of us have to do that. When we accepted Christ, the world gave us the title Christian. However, without the essential character that identifies us as a Christian, that title means absolutely nothing. Now look this way. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. He said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. You who practice lawlessness. You can say you know Jesus. You can go to church. But listen, going to church is kind of like, it's kind of like a garage. You know, going into your garage doesn't make you a car. Going into a in and out doesn't make you a hamburger. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Many, the Bible says, not some, but many will say to me in that day, you see, we are to live in the world, but not to be of it. Having the title is not enough. So if you have the title and not the character, your life can be described as confused. As you are unable to think intelligently about who you are. No one can differentiate you from the world if you act like the world, and you will become disoriented as to who you are in Jesus because what happens is you will be earth-focused and not heaven-focused. We're supposed to set our sights on the kingdom of God. 
Jesus said, look unto the kingdom of God. You see, in this world we live, but in this world we're not to be like it. For example, you live in your home, but you go to work at the office. When you get to your work location, you're the same person that you are at home. You're just temporarily at a different location. It's not your home. It's where you work. This is not our home. This is where we work. Are you with me? Because if you are a true, if you are a true resident of God's kingdom, the world represents your temporary location. You don't change the, for the temporary location you live in. You remain the same until you get back home. Amen? So the point is, if we're not walking in the character that identifies us as Christians, we're confused about our identity. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, how do I know? How do I know what my character is? What, what, do I know? what are the characteristics of Christ, Christianity? What, what it, Pastor, what is the characteristics of, a, uh, characteristics of a Christian? Well, I'm glad you asked me because I'm going to share a few with you today. Number one, we love. Look at this, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. Though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels and have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clinging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. 1 John 2, 7 through 11. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you which is true in him because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in the darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he's going. He's confused because the darkness has blinded his eyes. You say, now, Pastor, can a Christian hate? Well, that's a good question. That's a good question. You can hate evil, but you can't hate a person. You can hate the sin... In fact, the Bible says God is angry with sin every day, yet His hand is still stretched out. The Bible goes on in 1 John chapter 4, and He says, Beloved, let us love one another for love. Who's that from? And everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loves not knows not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Listen, if we don't love, nothing else matters. Now, I want to tell you what love doesn't mean. Love doesn't mean that it's okay for people to live in sin. Love does not mean that it is okay for you to have your child talking back to you and treating you with disrespect 
and dishonor. Uh, Jesus said to the woman who was caught in the very act of adultery, did Jesus love her? I'm going to ask a question. Did Jesus love that prostitute did, or that, that adulteress? He did love her. But I want to ask you a question. Did he say, and just keep on doing what you're doing? I love your sin. I love you, and, you know, honey, just keep on doing what you're doing. You see, this is the problem we have in America. This is the problem we have in the world today is that when truth is spoken, somebody says, you don't love me. But the truth is, Jesus said, I do not condemn you. Go and sin no more. Go, but don't keep sinning. He called what she did sin. Can I just say that? She was in adultery, and it was sin. Yet there are those who will be in church and commit adultery. Now, I'm going to get really, 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 really fine-tuned. You say, I'm not an adulterer. I'm not an adulteress. Jesus said, if you've thought the thought, you've committed the deed. Do you see how important it is what we think about? Because I want to say this before you and everyone listening today. What you think on you become. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and pretty soon out of the abundance of the mouth, the body responds. That is why it is so important. I remember the song that way back as a little, a little child, oh, be careful little eyes what you see. Oh, be careful little feet where you go. Oh, be careful little hands what you do. Oh, be careful little mouth what you say. Why? Because all of those things, the more you think them, the more you say them, the more you do them, that's what you will become, and that will be more real to you than God. Can I just say this? If you listen to the, if you listen to the world news, uh, let's say you listen to the world news uh, one hour a day, and you pray five minutes a day, what's going to be more, what's going to have more effect on you World news. If you talk about what's going on in the world more than you talk about Jesus that can control the world, or at least you in the world, we probably ought to do a checkup from the neck up. So we got to get this whole thing about love down. The love that God demonstrates toward us is greater than anything else compared to it. So if I say that I am a Christian and I do not love my fellow man enough to speak the truth to him in love, but still speak truth, I'm not loving them. Are you with me? We cannot be aligned with the God of love and live opposite to that character. 
Jesus is love, and he continues to demonstrate that today, and his hand is still stretched out. You see, you don't bring up the sin to condemn the sinner. That's not what he did. He, he didn't condemn her. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to release you. I'm really here to free you. And freedom, here's what true freedom is, and this is, Americans, we need to hear what this is. True freedom is not doing what you want, doing whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want. True freedom is doing what you were called to do. True freedom is to do, is, is to be free from committing sin. You're free not to sin. All right, I got to keep going. Number two, we walk in authority. Mark chapter 16, verses 17 and 18 says, These signs will follow those that believe in my name. They shall cast out demons. They shall speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. I'm going to spend more time on this one in a later message. But this morning, I just want you to know that you have been given authority. Now, whether you choose to walk in that or not, it doesn't negate what has been given to you. Jesus said, I gave you authority. I am giving it to you. And when you exhibit the character of Jesus, when you exhibit his character, you exhibit the character of the Father. Because the Father and the Son and the Spirit are all in unity. We spoke about the name of Jesus. Jesus said, there would come a point, you're not going to ask me anything. You're going to ask the Father in my name, and he will give it to you. You see, up until that time, they looked to Jesus, and Jesus, we want to continue to look unto Jesus, but Jesus always points us to the Father. So we exercise or walk in authority. Number three, we walk in the light. Look at 1 John 1, 4 through 7. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. How many of you know God wants you to be joyful? This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not the truth. Now John is speaking to Christians, church. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Right there. Do you know, uh, go back to verse 7. The Bible says there that if, if, we, if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Do you know why it is sometimes you don't have fellowship with another Christian? They're not walking in the light. We have all got to be walking in the light. How many of you know Miriam, when she stood up and she said, you know what, little brother, she's like 12 years older than Moses, we can lead just as good as you can. And Aaron did too. Aaron's three years older than he is. And do you know what Moses does? He doesn't argue with big sis. He doesn't argue with big brother. He falls on his face and begins to pray. And do you know what happens to Miriam? She turns leprous. She touched God's anointed, even though it was baby brother, even though it was in the family. And do you know what Miriam did? One woman's sin 
held back an entire nation until she got well. After Jericho, God said, don't take anything from Jericho. Achan stole some things from Jericho. They went out to a little city, a little place called Ai, and they were going to fight them. And they're like, oh, we're going to need to send everybody, just send a few men because uh, we can take them. They're small. And do you know what? Ai defeats Israel that just took down a stronghold of Jericho. And God said, there's sin in the camp. And Joshua's like, okay, the clans come on in. We're going to find out. They began to cast lots, and they found out. It finally wound up to one guy. His name was Achan. He said, yes, I did. I stole this. I took it. It's in my tent. And do you know what they did? This is going to sound really, really, really barbaristic to you all probably. But they took Achan. They took Achan's family. They took Achan's animals. They took everything that had the name Achan and removed it from their midst. That's just a nice way of saying he, he died. He was there no more. And then you know what? They went out and defeated the enemy. Why? Because sin was in the camp. As you grow in Christ, your relationships, your lifestyle, the way you live changes. You stop enjoying the darkness. You want to be like the light. Because how many of you know how much darkness is in God after we read the Scriptures? How much is in God? No darkness at all. Here's a good example. God said, I want you to be perfect. I want you to be pure. I want you to be holy. Um, Pure. Let's just talk about it. This here is 100% pure. It's got maybe some minerals in it. But if I opened this up and I saw that it was 99.6% pure water and only 0.4% raw sewage, just 0.4%, I would not drink it. No, no, you, you might kind of grimace at that and laugh at that, but you know what? That's the way it is in heaven. There's not even 0.4% darkness. There's not even 0.4% sin. You say, Pastor, I can't be perfect. You're right, not on your own. That's why we need the blood of Jesus. That's why we need the, the, the sacrifice of Jesus. You see, people will say, but there is no way to live a Christian life without sinning. The Bible says in the book of 1 John, if you will confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to forgive you of all unrighteousness. He is the propitiation. He, in other words, is the substitute for what you cannot do. He is the satisfaction. He is the one that did what you could never do. He is the one that overcame the things you cannot overcome. He is the one that took temptation and busted it up. Showed us how to destroy it. And church, listen to me. The Bible says that when he went into the wilderness, the Holy Spirit led him there. 
You know, a lot of times people think that when we come to Jesus, everything's going to be easy. No, when we come to Jesus, you're going to be led into sometimes the wilderness. The Bible says that he went into, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, but when he came out 40 days later, he came out in the power of the Spirit. The problem is the wilderness kills some people but heals or empowers others. You say, Pastor, I'm going through a wilderness. Praise God. No, Pastor, I'm going through a wilderness. Hallelujah. No, Pastor, it's a wilderness. Amen, brother. Preach it. Because when you go through the fire, when you go through the flood, when you go through the wilderness, when you go through the valley of the shadow of death, God will be with you. Jesus was there too. Jesus went there as well. Jesus overcame it. Jesus gave us authority. We exercise authority. We walk in authority. We walk in love. We walk in the light. I'm going to close on this one because I want to take time to get this message done and I'm running out of it today. I want to leave you with this one and it's a good place to leave you at it with because we just talked about Miriam. We just talked about Achan. What did they do? They sinned. What did the adulteress do? She sinned. He said, go and sin no more. I want there to be no confusion in the room. We, as people of God, should not be confused in 2023 as to what is sin. Here's the verse I was telling you about. 1 John 1, 8 through 10. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Now stop there. The Bible says there is no, none righteous, no, not one. Anybody here, not sin. Anybody in the room, I just need to see your hand because I need to find out how you did it. Is there anybody here you've never sinned? Just so everybody online can see, there's nobody raising their hand. I would ask every one of you online, Is there anybody listening to me you've never sinned? The Bible says no one is righteous. Not even one. So we're all in the same boat. The Bible says the wages of that sin is death. Judge would go, sentence is death. But, Lord, all they did was lie, death. All they did was cheat, death. All they did was bow down to another god, death. All they did was dishonor their mom and dad, death. How many of you broken at least one of the Ten Commandments? How many of you broke at least two of the Ten Commandments? How many of you broke at least ten, ten of the Ten Commandments? Yeah, Probably. Paul said, you know what, Paul, the man who was Saul, he said, I'm the chief 
I mean, talk about, talk about a way to preach. He said, you know what, guys, if you want to know what kind of sinner I've been, I've been the chief among them. I mean, I sit in the TP as chief. Then nobody, nobody beat me in sin. But he said, I was washed. I was purified. I was cleansed. If you are a believer in Jesus, you have a sensitivity. Number four is your fill in the blank, if you haven't figured it out yet, is sin. Look at 1 John 1. But there's good news, church. God doesn't want to leave you in sin. Whoever will believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Here it is. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Now I want to take you to one of the very most. Let's go back to the the verse before that. This is the most important step. Verse 8 said, we've all sinned. And if we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. We're confused. But right here, if, everybody say if. If we what? Confess our sins. Is there something that I have to do in order to get rid of it? Yes. My job is to confess it. I talked last week about the foundation of freedom was prayer in our nation. The foundation of freedom was our forefathers praying. We, 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 we saw the first prayer in Congress. We saw, we saw the painting of, of George Washington on his knees right behind his horse praying at the Valley of Forge. Prayer was the foundation of our freedom. Foundation of our freedom in our spirit life begins in prayer. We've got to confess our sins. You don't go to a priest. You don't have to go to a father and confess that. You go to the Father in the name of Jesus Christ and say, I have sinned. I have fallen short of the glory of God. And if you will confess your sin, He is faithful. He is just. He is righteous. And He will forgive you of your sin and He will cleanse you from all your unrighteousness. And when He's done that, you, here's a good way to do it. You, uh, you admit it. You admit the sin. You Quit it. You quit the sin, and then you forget it. You don't live that life anymore. You admit it, quit it, forget it. Look at your neighbor and say, admit it, quit it, and forget it. See, that is the way God wants us to live. And then following that, as, as we recognize that we have sinned and that we have the, 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 we have the propensity to do it again, however, because we're now His... We don't want to sin anymore. And when we do, or if we do, we call out to Him. And He is faithful. Would you say this? God is faithful. God is just. And He will cleanse. Do you need cleansed of anything today? Bow your head. All over this auditorium, all over the world wide web. If you have sin in your life, it separates you from God, Isaiah 59.2. If you call yourself a Christian and you're living like the world, 
God is calling out to you today to not walk in that because you're walking in confusion. You don't want to be like Miriam. You don't want to be like Achan. Don't hold back the church. Don't hold back your family. Don't hold back your friends and say, God, here is something in my life. I need to confess it before you. This is sin. I see it as sin. I don't want it in my life anymore, and I ask you to remove it in Jesus' name. I confess it before you. I admit it. I want to quit it, and I want to forget it. If you will just say that to him right now and confess it, he is faithful, and he is just, and he will cleanse you of all that sin. And if you've done that right now, stay in the Word. I encourage you, read the whole book of the Gospel of John. Read the entire first two, first, second, and third chapters of John, of the book of John, just before Jude and Revelation, first, second, and third John. Read them all this week. Stay in, stay in the light as he is in the light. In Jesus' name, amen. And we're going to come back next week, and we're going to learn some more of the things that God has called us to do and to be. But before you go, I want you to stand, if you will. I want to just pray this blessing over you today. How many of you know that the devil cannot curse what God blesses? The Bible says an undeserved curse will not light. It won't stay there. We're kind of like Teflon. So right now, I just want you to raise your hands to the Lord. And I want to pray this over you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace every day this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Go in the power of God and in the power of the Spirit today. I love you all. God bless. Just a